Hey guys, welcome to the show. For this episode of Improvement, we have another special guest. Her name is Terry McDougall, and she is an executive and career coach and the CEO of the Terry B. McDougall Coaching uh, Company. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kamani. It's great to be here. Thank you, and I appreciate you coming on. And so is there anything that you'd like for the audience to know about you? Well, you know, you... You talked about what I do. I'm also an author and, uh, you know, I really work with people who are high achievers that I say are successful, but not satisfied. And what I mean by that is that um, they may be sec uh, successful when you look at them from sort of the outside, but if you sort of pull back the curtain and get to see what's going on with them and other aspects of their lives, a lot of times they're paying a pretty high price for that. And uh, what I really try to do as a coach is help people expand that overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness so that they get a lot more leverage out of the energy that they invest into their lives and careers. Okay. And that's, that's pretty interesting. And so you talked about creating more of an overlap. And so what are some of the areas where you see there not being that overlap where they might be happy with what they're doing in their career field, but they're not seeing that same happiness or those positive emotions and other aspects. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I mean, for a lot of people, you know, maybe they're looking at their career and they're like trying to get a raise or they're trying to move to that next level in their career. And so they're pouring so much energy into it that they may be neglecting other areas of their life. Um, a lot of times when I uh, start working with somebody, part of the reason why they come to me is they're feeling really stressed. And that can come out in many ways. Like maybe they're, you know, they're not spending time on things like exercising or eating right, or they're uh, working late hours and therefore they can't spend time with people that they care about. And so they really don't have that balance. Um, and a lot of times I'll tell you that they, they will tell me like, I'm not happy with the way that things are, but I just don't see anything that I can do differently. And part of what I help them to do is, you know, it's kind of twofold. One is to shift their mindset to believe that, you know, if they can Im imagine what they like, would like their career and their life to be like, that it's possible. They might not know how to do it yet, but if they just shift that mindset to, you know, believe that what they want is possible, that's the first step. And then the second part of what I work with them on is starting to uh, learn skills or put processes in place so that they can get more leverage out of the energy that they put into their careers. Um, you know, one of the things I see with a lot of times with people is that, you know, if they're not getting the results that they expect or that they want, that they'll just double down on their effort. Like they'll just work longer hours or, you know, they'll try to do more or go faster. And that, if they're already feeling stressed, it basically just exacerbates that. And what I try to get people to do is when they feel that compulsion to like do more because they're not getting the results they want, I actually tell them step back and take a look at the whole playing field, you know, and, and see if there's a more strategic way or a smarter way to get the results that you want. And, you know, I didn't say this before, but before I became a coach, I worked in the corporate world for 30 years and you know, I actually coach people that were like me, you know, like I was a really ambitious person and first generation college graduate. And I didn't really have any role models in my life to tell me like, this is how you become successful in the corporate world. And so 
therefore, you know, I fell on my face a lot and I, you know, was working really hard and not getting the results that I wanted. Um, now, some lessons I learned the hard way. Uh, I also feel like I was lucky that I did have some mentors along the way that sort of pulled me aside and said, you know, gave me the feedback that I needed to do things differently so I could get better results. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I see quite a lot is that, you know, people are, they're working really hard and they think that that hard work's going to get them something that it's not getting them. And so then they get frustrated and, you know, unhappy. And I don't, I hate to see that, you know, because if you're working hard, you should get good results out of it. I agree. And I think it's interesting that you say that, but to make sure that I understand uh, what, I guess the path that you're going down, we talk about is how these people get to a point where they develop an awareness of what they don't like about their life, how they're not getting the results that they intended from working so hard with their career. But I guess you could say the disconnect is that they don't know where to put that effort to fix it. And so you see them either doubling down at work or maybe dealing with in other ways, it might not be productive to what that end goal is. And then something mm -hmm. else that was interesting to me was that you also touched on maybe a lack of mentorship. You even talked about your own experience where maybe not having that second voice to be able to give you advice in these different parts of your life made it to where you might make some of those same mistakes where you keep doubling down in the effort in the wrong areas or maybe not attacking the issue in, in the right way. And as a result, yeah. you know, being in a spot where you're successful and unhappy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, not, when I, I say successful, but not satisfied, I, I think that part of the reason for me why, that I wasn't, you know, I think people would look at me and be like, oh, you know, she's a, she's a smart young woman and she's doing all right. You know, I was doing all right, but I wasn't doing as well as I wanted to. And I, and I also, you know, I had bigger ambitions and I really felt like I was doing everything that I thought would get me ahead. And you know, there's a lot of, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I've written a book called uh, Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. And I think for many people, they don't realize that work really is a game. And, you know, part of the reason why people uh, sometimes aren't satisfied with what, or, you know, they feel like they're not, you know, quote unquote, winning at work is because they don't know the rules of the game. And honestly, nobody necessarily teaches you those either. You know, we'll go into work and think like, okay, well, you know, this is what you're supposed to do at school, or this is what you're supposed to do in your family. So I'm just going to do this at work. And oh. a lot of the things that get you ahead at work are very counterintuitive to the things that we've been taught growing up. Um, and I mean, there's a there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things like you know boundaries. I talk to people about boundaries all the time. I talk to people about um, you know, uh, getting clarity around expectations. You know, sometimes we can make assumptions that um, maybe people know what we want. We never really ask for the things that we want. Um, and I, I don't know, there's there's a million. <laughs> there's a million of these little things that, uh, you know, when I'm working with somebody that I just try to help them, you know, start to learn these these lessons. And honestly, I'll tell you, some people will like sort of fight me a little bit on it. And I'll just say, okay, just try it once, you know, try this thing once and see, see what happens. See how, if you feel differently, see if people are treating you differently. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that is the case. Um, actually, I, I mean, I'd love to give you an example of sure. that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, 
Um, I was uh, actually talking with one of my clients earlier this week and, you know, he works in a very demanding um, company, you know, it's very demanding field. And, uh, you know, very often people are kind are coming sort of the last minute and asking him to do things that are sort of like outside the bounds of what's expected. You know, there's certain rule, you know, not necessarily the rules, but processes that people mm -hmm. are supposed to um you know, do in order to request things from this person's department. Right. And, uh, you know, what he typically would do is just, you know, be like, okay, I'm a good corporate citizen. This is being asked of me it means I have to work later. It's kind of throwing a monkey wrench in our process, but they're asking of me. So I'm just going to do it. Um, and what happens is that the more he does it, the more people come and ask for those kind of favors and those kind of exceptions. Oh, like it becomes and acceptable. I guess after it, he does it because, the first time, it sets a precedent. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, I can't say no to this. You know, like, I'm going to be painted, you know, uh, as a bad performer, or, you know, not a team player if I say no. And what I tell people, I totally understand that. Like, you know, you got to play the political game. You know, you can't just be like, no, that's you're breaking the rules. Um, but here's what you can do in those kind of situations. And this is what I told him to do. Um, is that, you know, get clarity around what are the boundaries? Like, what is the actual process that needs to happen? And if you've got people around you that are infringing on that process, go around to everybody and just reinforce that, like, and give them the feedback. Like, you know, half the time people on your team are coming in late and, you know, curious, what's the issue? You know, if there's something that you can do to sort of systematically fix it, great. But um, you know, let people let the people that are around you know what the proper process is, because maybe that's part of the issue. But then, when somebody comes and you decide to uh, do something for them that's sort of out of the normal process, make sure they know this is an exception. That you tell okay. them, I'm going to make a one-time exception for this. You know, here's what the actual process is. I'm making an exception for you this one time and then you do it, right? You want to maintain the relationship mm -hmm. and so forth. But right. people appreciate things a lot more if you like value what you're doing and you tell them. Um, because I think that a lot of times, you know, when I, we were talking before about it setting a precedent, sometimes people don't know that it's that's not the normal way. Like if you just quietly always deliver on what they ask, they just think that's the normal way. And then, you know, we're sort of over in the corner, like quietly suffering um, and getting resentful and, and stuff like that. And, and that's not healthy for anybody, right? Or we're working right. longer and longer hours because people don't understand where the boundary is. You know, we can allow people to overstep the boundary, but we need to let them know, like, this is a one-time thing. I'm letting you do, do this this time. Um, and it, it just, it gives you more uh, leverage and power to maintain that boundary in the future if you tell people when they've overstepped it. Okay, that definitely makes sense. And I'm glad that mm -hmm. we touched on this because there's something else I'd like to kind of get into in this, mm -hmm. in this realm of things. And so we talked about setting the boundaries and everything. And since I guess you could say the target audience of this podcast is a little bit younger, most of these guys, mm -hmm. you know, they might be working like their first job or like, you know, some part-time mm -hmm. job in college or like me 
you know, first year analysts in a certain role or something. And so I guess, mm -hmm. would you say that it might be a little bit more of a challenge, especially for somebody that's new on the job and doesn't have, I guess, tenure, like you could say, to be able to set mm -hmm. these boundaries? Uh, what tips would you give to kind of navigate that sort of situation? You know, the thing I think is really important in a role like that is to get clarity around expectations. Um, you know, sometimes uh, supervisors can think that they've been clear about expectations. And, you know, it's it's everything from, you know, like specifically what's, um, you know, well, I'll just give you an example. Maybe you've heard of SMART goals, you know, and the thing that's great about SMART goals is that it's very specific in terms of you know whether the goal's been met or not. And I hope I can remember all of the acronym you know, words for SMART, but it's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. So that's, those are all the things that, you know, that's the acronym for SMART. And if you are asked to do something, it's important to get the, you know, kind of clarity around what's expected, you know, specifically what's expected here. And how will we know if it's met? You know, if you say like, okay, process these forms. Okay, well, how many of these forms do I need to process by what time? You know, um, and getting clarity on that on the front end makes later communications a lot clearer, right? Because right. If, um, if, you know, sometimes people can make assumptions that, you know, maybe a new person is more, um, knowledgeable than they are you know because sometimes if you're if you're new in a company you know maybe your boss has worked there for 20 years and they can't even remember what it's like coming in as, as a new person you know they can't even remember like all of the steps that you're supposed to take so they might make assumptions and uh and then later when you're not fulfilling on their expectations because you didn't know all of the things they expected you know, they may still blame you, <laughs> right. you know, and so that's where you can kind of step out and, um, you know, just get that clarity, ask for that clarity. Um, and then, you know, once you have that clarity, and then you've got something to sort of, um, you know, compare your own performance to, to have like more meaningful conversations with your boss, mm -hmm. um, may, you might get some, some clarity also about, um, whether you can maybe make a process more um, efficient, you know, right. things like that. Right. And I think, you know, in a lot of situations, it might not even just be the boss that's giving you some of these extra assignments. Let's say someone mm -hmm. else that's in your group that might be an analyst as well, but has been there for a few more years, might need help mm -hmm. with some sort of project. And they think that they can just put that on your plate. And I think tying back to the thing you said about the SMART goals, making sure that you actually get specifics about whatever that assignment is that can also mm -hmm. give you an idea if it's even something that you can handle in the first place before you say yes. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to saying yes, one thing that I also like to ask you about is how could a, uh, a first year analyst or somebody that's brand new on the job get comfortable saying no when they know that it's not in their best interest to take something, and especially if it's not something that falls within their job description. First, I guess, would you recommend saying no? And also mm -hmm. if you do, uh, how can they go about that? Making sure that they fit into the office politics game, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think first of all, understanding again, like sort of the the field that you're playing in, like where are the boundaries? Like who has authority to assign you work? 
you know, I've seen it tons where, you know, there's players in the workplace. Like, I'm not going to lie, right? There are people that want to come in and get their paycheck and get other people to do the work for them. And a lot of times they will identify those new people that don't know any better and they'll, they'll come by and they don't even have the authority to assign the work, but they'll come by and be like, um, Hey, uh, can you help me out with this? Or, you know, and right. Getting clarity around who has that authority to assign you work is really important. And, um, you know, getting clear with your boss, like, okay, you know, this guy in the next department's always coming by and asking me for help with stuff. Is that something I should be doing? You know, I've definitely had it in my career when I was a, a manager that I discovered after the fact that people were coming pe- to people directly on my staff and asking them to do stuff that I wasn't aware of. And uh. when people brought it up to me, you know, I could go to that person and say, you know, don't go directly to my people, right? Like if you want something, you come to me and I'll decide whether it's something that we can do. Um, But when it comes to, uh, you know, like saying no yourself or putting that boundary up yourself, like I actually have like a whole section in my book on this, like ways, ways to say no without saying hell no. (laughs) Um, And, and one of them is like, for example, you know, if you've got work, your own work, that needs to be done and somebody's kind of coming to you and saying, and it's not your boss, right? Or it's a colleague right. or somebody like that. And you've got your own deadlines, you've got your own responsibilities. Like you can just say to them, you know, I have stuff I have to finish up first. You know, if you want to come back to me at the end of the day and I and I'm done and I have some time, I'll help you out. Um, but you know, right now I've got other priorities, right? I mean that that's one thing that you can do. Um, I think the other thing is that if, if you're looking at, you know, say something that's being done and you see a better way to do it, like maybe it can be done more quickly. You can build a tool or a process to get it done more, um, you know, routinely without so much, you know, manpower. Um, you know, you can go to your boss maybe and just say, Hey, I, I, is there any reason why we have to do it this way? Cause I have an idea about maybe we, how we could do it better. Um, you know, I've certainly seen it sometimes too, where there's a glitch in the process and that's what causes people to come and need help all the time. And if we get curious about like, why is it that people get stuck here? You know, why is it that they don't have access to that information and they always come to me to get it? Right. Maybe it's just a matter of being like, would it be helpful if you got access to the system? Oh. You know, and you could look it up yourself. Okay. You know? Okay. So, you know, just sometimes getting curious and you know, I, I think I said it before about, you know, sometimes people just want to work harder and do more. And really if you step back and you look at the bigger picture and you're like, Oh, you know, maybe if I just give them a like a little FAQ document or a little tool or something like that, that they can do this for themselves. They don't have to come to me and get me to always do it for them. Okay. I think that's extremely valuable what you just brought up because I wasn't even thinking of it along those lines where instead of, uh, I guess, always finding ways to say what's not in the job description so you don't have extra work, maybe think about what's a way that I could offer value to where people can get the answers and the documents or reports that they need 
but it won't put as much strain on me. And it also builds my standing with the company. And I think that's actually great because if entry-level analysts thought like that, uh, how can I offer more value to the group? It makes it to where when things go, uh, you know, later down the road and maybe you're looking to people for promotions or let's say you're in an industry where they do layoffs a lot of the time, making yourself that person that's indispensable, that person that's a, a critical thinker, that person that has that, a person that has the ingenuity, it makes it to where you become indispensable. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, um, you know, work is all about, it's not about coming in and doing tasks. It's about, you know, having impact that provides value for the organization. And, you know, it's not, it's not about making widgets, right? Like how many hours you put in or how many little things you make, right? Because that may or may not be adding value. And right. a lot of times with organizations and industries, you know, maybe there was a process or a system that was put in place a long time ago and that made sense then, but they haven't updated it, you know? And I think with, uh, you know, the entry level analysts, a lot of times they're the ones that are on the front line. And if they're looking and saying, why do we, why do we have to take this step? It doesn't seem to make sense to me. Um, you know, the boss, maybe they had that job 15 years ago, like, and things have changed a lot, you know? And so if you can, you know, just get curious and maybe ask some smart questions like, Hey, you know, it could be wrong, but it seems like this is an extra step that's not needed in this process. Am I, you know, am I right? Or is there a reason why we're doing this? Um, you know, you might be able to re-engineer something. You might be able to just figure out a better way of doing it. And, you know, to your point, companies like that, you know, yeah. they're going to, they're going to be looking and saying, you know, that guy is thinking outside the box. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that they kind of harp on at my job. And so I'm a financial analyst in oil and gas. And that's one of the things that I've noticed that a lot of those guys that everyone in different departments know, the guys that get those opportunities to do like financial development programs and such. If you look at their track record, you can see the impact that they made on the organization and whatever group they were in. Like one of the groups that I that I used to be in, I noticed that they had this one guy whose name was on every single desk guide, every single FAQ page. And I noticed that he just took all that free time that he had in between his actual role and looked at some of the stuff that the people within the group always went to him for and always needed. And he took mm -hmm. the time in his free time during work hours, of course, to have that stuff done. And so you can't really look at anything for that group without his name being on it. And so I can definitely see where you're coming from. And I guess while we're on this topic too, something else that I'd like for you to touch on a little bit is also, I mean, since you talk about people being satisfied with their work and everything is what are some tips that you would give to young people to help them to be able to figure out what exactly it is they want to do when they go into a role? Because I feel like yeah. a lot of guys, you know, and myself included to a degree, you look at the company, you look at, I guess, the prestige of the job and such. But then once you get there, especially when you don't have a lot of experience in the role yet or knowledge about the company, it's kind of hard to navigate and see exactly what direction you want to go in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, do you kind yeah, of totally. see what I'm saying? Yeah, I absolutely see what you're saying. And, you know, I, I, I put that in the category of you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. And, you know, you're basing... Um, you know, maybe thinking like, oh, I think I want to work at this company on on what you can see, right? But once you're in there, I mean, part of it, I think, is just 
you know, doing the job for a while and letting yourself, you know, see what, what do I uh, like about it? What do I not like about it? Um, and I think that uh, an opportunity that many people squander when they go to work for companies is uh, that opportunity to network. Um, and one of the things that, I mean, you know, I was a senior level person in a, a large bank and I had a lot of respect for people that would, you know, that were more junior that would reach out to me and say, um, I'm really interested in what you do and I'd like to learn more about it. You know, could I set up 30 minutes to come by your office and just talk to you about what you do? Right. And I think that that shows a lot of, um, you know, it, it's just smart because like once you're in the organization, you already have something in common with the people. And, uh, you know, a lot of times leaders, when they get to a certain level, like they know people at their level, they know the people they interact with, but they don't know, the you know, the newer the young people. Yeah. They don't know the younger people, but if you, uh, differentiate yourself by raising your hand, by saying like, Hey, I, you know, I checked out your LinkedIn profile and I see you used to work here and now you work here and I'd love to know more about, you know, what you do. Um, I think that shows courage and it shows uh, initiative. And it also, you know, makes people know who you are. You know, after that, if you, I mean, I know we're not in the office right now, but, you know, after that, if you're, you know, in the cafeteria or local Starbucks and, you know, they see you, they're going to know who you are because you've spent 30 minutes with them and being curious and asking smart questions and letting them know, you know, what your background's like, like, what did you, you know, what did you major in? Like, why did you okay. decide to go work for that company? Um, it makes sense. I, I yeah. And yeah. honestly, um, I think that finding people doing things that you think looks interesting is the fastest way to know whether it might be a good fit for you or not. Because, okay. uh, you know, you know, everybody that worked at these companies was once a young person like you, you know, even when you look at them and they're like 60 and you're like, oh my gosh, because, you know, they, they were just like that since the beginning of time. No, at one point they were also a, you know, young college graduate coming into the workplace and figuring it out for themselves. And they generally can relate, you know, if, and I think asking questions like, you know, I was a finance major and, you know, have you ever seen a finance major be successful in this kind of role? Or how did you get to where you are? What attracted you to your profession? You know, what, you ever seen somebody with my background have success in that? Yeah, you know, just it's yeah. a uh, it's something that that makes sense to do if you're if you're in an organization um, and you want to learn more about opportunities. I can see where you're coming from, and it and it makes sense. And I can even say that you know I've seen the value in doing that while I've been on the job because of course you have an understanding of what the business does. You know, on a on a large scale, like looking at it from the top down, but whenever you actually get into a, the actual, the company itself and you're in your role, you start to see it. There's so many different aspects of the business and roles that you could get involved in. And it's kind of hard to really have an idea of what everything does and where you would fit into the organization. And so that networking piece that you talked about that, I would say that is a pretty solid solution to that. And I can see the value just from the people I've networked with so far talking to people who used to be in that same position not too long ago, talking to some people that are like mid-level managers and such, 
and getting insights from them, telling them what your what your skills are, what your interests are, the type of work you want to get into. And then mm-hmm. them from their knowledge that they have, giving you, I guess you could say a guide for where you could kind of fit in. And so that's something that I've yeah. been doing recently in, uh, in my yeah. role. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that probably is the best thing you can really do whenever you move yeah. into a new uh, company and you want to kind of figure out where you fit in. Yeah, definitely. And let me, let me tell you, i give you a little insight into what happens when people do that, when, when young people do that. Senior level leaders talk about it. They will say, you know what, that, you know, come, come on and set up time with me to come, you know, ask me questions about my role. Like he's, you know, he's an impressive young guy. You know, like they will talk about it. You you differentiate yourself. You pull yourself out of the crowd. And leaders like to see that. They like to see people that are thinking about their career path, that are, you know, already starting to think about what they have to do. Um, a lot of times, um, um, well, I guess I will say this just up front. Each person is responsible for their own career. Um, and that's also one of those kind of unwritten rules that we're not aware of a lot of times. Cause they, when we're in school, it's like, all right, when, you know, June comes and you've done all your work for 10th grade, you just automatically get promoted to 11th grade, right? Like you don't have to do anything, you know, besides do your homework and stuff. You don't really have to do anything. You just automatically get promoted. And that can get us in this mindset of like, well, if I just come up, show up every day and do my job, that at some point I'll get promoted. And that may be the case, but um, when you think about what you want and you ask for what you want or you explore to see what you want, that that shows leadership. And uh, people that demonstrate leadership get promoted. People that sit in the corner and wait for somebody to come tap them on the shoulder will be sitting in the corner for a long time. And so I think that that's something that a lot of people miss as well. And I can even see that, you know, with some of my peers and such, how they kind of take this attitude as if the results that they want from their career or even in life are going to just Mm -hmm. come you know, by someone else handing them to them. And I remember another guest mm-hmm. that I had, Asaf Luxemburg, he talked about being the CEO of your life. And what he meant by that was, you know, essentially taking initiative, knowing what type of results you want and saying, what can I do to enforce that type of change in my career and in my life? And so I'm glad that you brought that point up Yeah. because, you know, at the end of the day, you can't expect other people to care more about your career than you do. Yeah. And I, I will, you know, tell a little bit on myself that even when you do care, like I always very much cared about the development of, of my staff, but sometimes it will, you know, managers and leaders, they're busy. They got their own jobs, right? They're like worried about right. pleasing their boss and putting the budget together. And, you know, in my case, putting the marketing to, um, plan together and interfacing with the people, the business leaders. And one time I, um, it was relatively uh, new people that had been brought up into my team, but still um, there was somebody who was a, a manager and he had somebody reporting to him and the manager left. He, he got another job and I just sort of automatically just 
was like, okay, called HR and I was like, okay, we got to, you know, put a posting up to fill this job. And somebody else on the team came and said, well, how about, you know, Matt, the junior person on that team, did you think about promoting him? And I was like, no, I, I didn't think about promoting him at all. I mean, it just kind of slipped my mind. You know, I didn't know him that well because he was relatively new under my, my team. But, um, you know, I, I uh, reached out to him and had a conversation with him. And he was like, yeah, I'd be really interested in that role. And, you know, I felt a little bit bad that I didn't think about that. But had this other person not said something to me, I would have totally skipped over even considering that person for the role. And not not out of you know, because I thought poorly of him or anything. And in fact, he did end up getting promoted into that role. Um, but had somebody not said anything to me, he would have never had that opportunity. Right. And so I guess he should have been the one to take that initiative to put his name on the ballot, I guess you can say, uh, to yeah, give himself to, the opportunity to, to be his own hand. advocate. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, and this is the truth too, that sometimes people don't want to be promoted. They're like, I like my job. I want to come in every day and just do this job, get my paycheck and go home. Right. So I don't know whether you're one of those people that's super ambitious or you're somebody that just likes their job the way that it is. And, you know, sometimes I think we think that people can read our minds and, you know, either think that, oh, well, doesn't everybody want to be promoted? Or, you know, why would I want that job? You know, it's more stress. <laughs> you know, you just got to speak up for yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree. And so since we're kind of touching on some of these different areas where people might struggle or may, you know, have different lapses that leads to not getting the results that they want. Uh, there was something else I wanted to bring up that you talk about in your content a little bit. And so you talk about knowing the difference between barriers, hurdles and gaps. And so could you kind of talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit to give the listeners an idea of what you mean? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when we're not getting the results that we want, it's because of one of these things. It's a barrier, a hurdle, and a gap. And there are differences. Um, a barrier is something that you can't get past. I mean, it might be that, um, you know, you want to be a lawyer and you don't have a law degree. You know, right now you're not going to be, that's a barrier, right? You can't become a lawyer today if you don't have a law degree. Or it could be that you want to do something, but it's actually illegal, right? So you can't do that. That's a barrier. Um, a hurdle is something that it stands in the way, but with some effort, you can get over it. Okay. It could be that, um, you know, we some of the things that we talked about earlier, like people are coming or assigning you work and you're working too many hours and, you know, you don't have the time to you know, focus on something that you need to do. Well, you might need to like go talk to your boss and get approval to set that hard boundary uh, so that you can, you know, get that work done. I don't know. I, actually, I don't really know if that's like a great example, but it's something that with some effort, you can get past it. Right. right? And it could be internal um, too, right? Like a personal constraint. It, Yes, absolutely. And often it is. It might be a belief that, uh, you know, they never promote anybody that's, you know, only been here for six months. Right. Uh, and if okay. we're not showing up appropriately because we're telling ourselves something, that could be a mental hurdle. You know, maybe we say, like, you know what, I'm going to show up and 
provide as much value as I possibly can and I'm going to let people know the value I'm bringing and maybe that's going to help you get over that hurdle so that you can be considered for promotion. Um, and then the gap is something that, um, you know, it's sort of like, it's like a hole, right? It needs to be filled in. Maybe you need some training, right? Maybe there's something that you don't have right now that you need. Um, and it could be that you go to your boss and you say, you know, I'd like to get some training on some software program or some, you know, leadership program or whatever that is going to fill in that gap that you currently have. Um, but it's important to be able to look at the challenges you're facing and decide, is this a, a barrier, barrier, a hurdle or a gap? Because if you're treating a barrier like a hurdle, you're going to expend a lot of energy on something that that you can't it's not going to get you you can't you, it's not going to get you anywhere or maybe if it does get you someplace you're going to end up in jail or something you know oh. <laughs> uh, because it's you know if it's like if it's illegal and you're like i'm yeah. doing it anyway right i yeah, uh, definitely wouldn't want to do anything like that yeah i yeah. don't think i don't think illegal <laughs> yeah. advice is in the book right <laughs> right right exactly exactly all right all right and so to kind of stay on this uh what would you say are some of the the hurdles that you see men running into or I guess young men. And so some of the ones I think would pop into my mind would be like, let's say, for example, just like with the career search, a hurdle that could pop up, maybe not wanting to take a job that will be looked down upon, you know, like, for example, mm -hmm. you know, doing maybe teaching or nursing or something like mm -hmm. that. It's kind of seen as like yeah. a woman's job. And so what, what mm -hmm. advice would you give to guys that are, I guess, not giving themselves potential opportunities that might work for them and their mm -hmm. skill set because of outside expectations or what other people would think. Yeah. You know, I, I work with people from, you know, their twenties to their sixties. And I'll, I would say that probably one of the biggest um, reasons for unhappiness is when people are looking for external validation. Oh, um, okay. And, you know, so when people are happy, it's because they've gotten in touch with their true self and they've been honest with themselves about what their their wants and their needs are and that they have set their goals based on you know kind of their own inner wisdom and their own inner desires and i'm not talking about you know like the external flashy trappings of success i'm talking about like who are you as a person and what kind of you know role is going to fulfill that and you know i'm not going to say I mean, I'm the last person to say that like money and that kind of stuff doesn't um, figure into it. It certainly figured into it with me. Like I wanted a job that I made a good amount of money, but I wasn't going to do any job to make a lot of money. I wanted right. to do something that was aligned with who I am as a person where I could show up and use my, my strengths and the things that I like to do and I felt fulfilled by. And so I think just being honest with yourself about that and trying to really separate, you know, I mean, honestly, like maybe going into a room <laughs> or doing some writing or something to really say like, what is it about me that, you know, what are my true strengths, right? And be, have it be separate from what other people think, right? Um, because honestly, nobody else is in, not, I'm not saying people don't judge because obviously they do, but, um, other people actually don't have the right to judge you, you know? And so mm -hmm. we can be like, 
who cares what you think, right? Like I'm doing this because I feel happy about it. And honestly, I think sometimes whenever we do that, it actually inspires other people to be like, oh, well, if that person can do what they want, and then I'm going to do what I want too. It empowers other people. Um, but there are a lot of um, exercises and stuff that people can do to really do the introspection and think about, you know, where do I want to live? Like how much money do I want to make? Do, do I need to go back to school? Do I want to go back to school to get this? Um, right. What kind of skills do I want to use? Do I want to work with people, with data, with ideas, with machinery? You know, like thinking about like what excites you. And I actually, a lot of times when I'm working with people that want to make a career pivot, but they're not sure, they know that what they're doing isn't working. They don't like that, but they're not sure what they want to do next. I say, look around yourself and you know, who are the people that you feel jealous of? You know, who are the people that you're looking at and you're like, man, I wish I had that job, right? I wish I could travel or I wish I could, you know, work in that environment or whatever. And, and if you're feeling that like little bit of envy, like take a look at it and say, what is it about, what is it about that that's making me wish that I could do that? You know, oh, okay. um, and, and let that, grow. But, um, you know, there's a book called What Colors Your Parachute that I, I feel like I was so lucky at the beginning of my career that my um, college boyfriend's mom gave me that book when I graduated. And she said, do not even apply for jobs till you've done all the exercises in this book. And I, I'm so happy that she told me that because I just wanted a job that paid more than the five bucks an hour I was making at the library. Um, in college, you know, and so I would have just gone out and probably taken the first job that I got offered. But because she was like, you know, do the work to know yourself first. And, and then you can focus more specifically on the areas that will be a good fit for you. And that was really good advice. And not only that, but when I interviewed, when I went in, I could talk about why I'd be good at that job. Because you I give like actual answers as opposed to like yes, coming up with, like, with crap, a, you know, that you would I'm give in like any worker. other interview. Yeah. I'm a hard worker and right. I'm a <laughs> person, right? Like I could right. talk about the fact that I, I'm creative and I took a lot of artwork, art classes in school. And, you know, I, my first job was with the publishing company in the um, advertising sales department, you know, so it had kind of a creative aspect to it. And, uh, you know, so I could talk about those things that were really personal to me that fit and aligned with what they were looking for. Um, so, I mean, that's advice that I have, but it, I also would say goes back to what I was saying earlier that, you know, again, if you're looking at somebody that's doing something that you think looks interesting, talk to them, check it out. And yeah. And even if, uh, you know, they don't work at your same company, um, you know, if you've got any, you know, maybe it's somebody in your family or it's uh, somebody that went to your college or high school or whatever. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, you have some kind of affiliation with. Here's how you approach somebody like that. Because a lot of times people are like networking, like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like scary and hard and weird. Um, but how you do it is that you approach the person and you say, I'm starting to think about the next chapter in my career. Um, and I admire what you do or what you look do looks interesting. And I'm just wondering if you would have, you know, 
20 minutes to, to talk to me about it. People like to talk uh -huh. about themselves. They like to tell you their stories of how they got to where they are. Most people do. <laughs> and um, and I'll, I'll tell you from like coaching many people that most of the time people are like, I'm scared, I don't wanna do it. And I just say, listen, it's, it's flattering to people that you, when you do that. And I would say 90% of the time people come back and they're like, that was fun. That was real. That person was really nice. You know, I got a lot of information and they introduced me to some other people. And the other 10% of the time, it could be that they're like, it was like pulling teeth to talk to them and then Amber called me back or something like that. And you know what, like you got to kiss a lot of frogs, you know, not everybody understands how to network. Not everybody is, you know, open to those kind of conversations, but, um, a lot of people are. And, um, you know, a lot of times those kind of conversations can also directly lead to jobs, you know, and if they get to know you and they're like, Hey, that he's a sharp, sharp young man. And, uh, I'm in a position to, you know, maybe introduce him to somebody, or we might even have an opening in our department, you know? Okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, looks it like happens. We covered, yeah. We definitely covered a lot on this topic. You know, we, you talked mm -hmm. about. Uh, the first part with knowing yourself, getting rid of that external validation, I guess you can say, and making sure that as long as whatever you do aligns with what you value, that's what you should put priority on. And another thing I like mm -hmm. to touch on with that is that, you know, we give so much weight to what other people's opinions might be of what we do. It's almost as if we think that we're so important that these people take all this time out of their day thinking mm -hmm. about what it is that we yeah. do. And really, that's not the case. Like 99% of the time, people are thinking about what's going on in their regular day. And so why should we put any weight on what they might, uh, what their view might be on what we do whenever it's something mm -hmm. that we have to live with at the end of the day? And so I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. And, and as far as yeah. like the the networking to uh, learn about some of those opportunities and, you know, acknowledging that you might be jealous of some opportunities that someone else is getting. And a lot of people, instead of you know, reaching out to that person, he might just hold those feelings and stay in their current situation. But I think that's great that you talked mm -hmm. about, you know, humbling yourself, going to that person and getting some advice, because at the end of the day, with something that's so important, and you know, something you're going to be spending at a minimum, 40 hours a week mm -hmm. doing for multiple years, you should definitely make that the priority over your pride or anything else. And so I mm -hmm. definitely am glad that you brought that up, because I think those are some valuable points that a lot of these guys could could uh, take as they move forward into their careers. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you 100% about, you know, most people are not thinking about us as much as we think they're thinking about us because they're thinking about themselves or they're worried about what other people think of them. And um, also around the whole idea of judgment, I'm not going to say people don't judge because obviously people do judge, but typically when people judge hard, the reason why they're judging is because somebody else is taking action that feels threatening to them. They're kind of like looking and they're saying, hey, that guy's following his dream and oh. look at all the stuff he's doing. So I'm gonna like talk crap about him because if he's doing it and he's being successful, that might mean I need to get out of my comfort zone and go do that too. So it's right? making them so, self-reflect, I guess you can say. That's why you're coming up in and conversation. They'll get defensive. 
yeah, sometimes uh, they'll okay. get a little defensive around it, like, and, and want to talk, you know, down about people rather than admiring their, uh, their drive and their initiative. And, you know, who's got, honestly, like, don't listen to the haters, you know, just do, do you, right? And Your life, right? Yeah. And, and you will rise to a point where you'll be around other good, positive people that will probably be supportive of you rather than, you know, trying to hold you down with where they are. You know, yeah. that's how people, that's what, how a lot of people use judgment is they're like, you're trying to rise and I feel comfortable just sitting here, you know, down on the bottom level. I can, I want I can you definitely to stay with relate. me. I can definitely yeah. relate to what you're talking about because I've had similar experiences myself just um, throughout life, uh, trying mm -hmm. to, you know, get new experiences, do new things and having those type of obstacles that you run into where you might get negativity from the very people that you mm -hmm. thought were supposed to be supporting you the yeah. most. And so I think that's something that right. they should definitely consider as well. And I'm glad that you brought it up. And so we are running a little bit short on time. And so I'll hop into uh, something else that I wanted to talk to you about really quick, just so we can make sure we touch on it. And so this is a, uh, I guess this topic is a little bit out of the, the normal scope of, um, I guess, what you would talk about with mm -hmm. career coaching and that sort of thing. But I think it's definitely important because this is something that a lot of guys struggle with in the workplace. And I will say that it's lack of sexual discipline. And what I mean by that is, you know, talking to women in the workplace, I'm sure that you probably have stories about that. But, um, you know, examples that I can think of are, you know, CEOs mm -hmm. or upper level managers uh, <laughs> having yeah. uh, relations with secretaries and things like that, pretty much risking yeah. it all, their whole career, their half a million dollar salary, all for just that thrill. And so I guess, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think is like the, <laughs> the motivation yeah. behind that? Why do you think guys would be willing to throw away so well, much for this type right. of stuff? Well, I mean, it's thrilling and it feels powerful and they think they can get away with it. Right. I, I think that, that that's probably at the heart of it. I mean, I'm a woman, so I'm not really sure, you know, I, I guess I've observed it a lot in my life in terms of, you know, I suppose that there's like a, you know, certain sex drive and, you know, people have done this and it's fun, you know, it's, it's reinforcing, but uh, you know, when, when you look at discipline around your career and especially now more than even in the past, because of like the me too movement and a lot of, a lot of uh, behavior is coming to light that was there for a long time, but it got swept under the rug or, you know, got people got paid off and had, you know, signed NDAs and stuff like that. Um, even very, very powerful people are, you know, uh, falling victim to their bad behavior these days. But, you know, I know you and I talked um, before we hit record, and I do have a story from um, an organization where I worked, where there was a very senior level leader. He was an executive vice president, and he reported directly to the CEO. He was a very charming a uh, great guy from what we could tell, <laughs> smart, very well thought of within the organization. Um, but he um, had a girlfriend that would come into, and he was, you know, probably 50 at least, um, who would come into the office and they would have their rendezvous in the office. And I suppose that after a while, it, it got to be um, somewhat of an open secret that this was happening. And his wife got wind of it. 
and um, you know, of course, I wasn't there, <laughs> but I heard the rumors at work that uh, I think maybe like her attorney came when the woman was there, and they ended up, um, you know, she ended up divorcing him, and it became a huge scandal. He had to resign from the company. He was probably making millions of dollars a year. And he was what a lot of people thought was the heir apparent to su succeed the CEO. So, you know, you have to ask whether that thrill was worth it. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure in hindsight, it probably wasn't worth it. And I guess to kind of relate it to the people that have you listening to this, you know, I've, I've even seen situations where, you know, people with fraternized with people that were kind of on their level too, like from different jobs that I've done mm -hmm. in the past, mm -hmm. definitely not, definitely not now, or at least, you know, from what I've seen, but like uh, different internships that I did as well as um, on campus jobs, sales jobs that I've mm -hmm. done in the past, seeing a lot of guys see attractive women that were in the workplace with them and they were willing to potentially risk their, all their income to try and get chances with these girls. And so it was just, amazing mm -hmm. to me you know of course i can see the temptation being a guy sure. but i just wanted to kind of bring it up because i feel like that's something that i feel like if we kind of encourage guys to kind of look at it from the perspective of there's so many other options outside of your workplace that won't you know potentially destroy your income that you go pursue yeah and totally. i guess the reason why they pursue the ones that are in the workplace is just because of proximity and because it seems like it's easier yeah. and i mean you have you know, a lot more opportunities because you're seeing them every day. But that's just something that I kind of wanted to bring up that uh, anybody that might have a situation like that, where, you know, someone at work might be being flirty with you and everything, you kind of have to ask yourself, is it really worth it? You know, is it, is this really something that I want to take the risk and do? And let me, let me also point out the fact that um, you might think that more senior level people don't know what's going on, but they do. People talk, <laughs> right? And if right. there's if there's like uh, some, something going on the the great yeah, exactly. They're like people I've I've heard this too. Like, hey, do you notice that you know these two are always leaving work at the same time or that they're like flirting talking at the happy hours and everything. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And you know, depending on how that's handled that actually could have an impact on moving up maybe know, your right ability to, yeah absolutely because they may look and say you know that's not showing good judgment you know or there's maybe there's going to be some favoritism there if we promote this person right and they might favor their boyfriend or their girlfriend that or whatever you know their hookup that they've been hooking up with um you know i think it's just uh it makes sense to have some separation between, you know, your personal life and your work life, um, you know, so it doesn't, so they don't affect each other. And then of course, you know, we didn't even go into like, what if it's a bad breakup, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> that could, you know, you know, even, even different right. problems, you know, right. Um, the exactly. back end things, so yeah. But, yeah. I'm glad that we touched on that. And so it pretty much wraps up our time. And so I guess just as like, you know, last thing, is there anything else that you like to add or tell the listeners that you think that they could gain some value from before we close it out? Um, well, I would uh, say if, 
people have liked some of the tips that I've shared, I do have a blog on my website and my website's uh, terrybmcdougal.com and you can find like short articles out there on a lot of different workplace topics. And, uh, you know, I've got my book also, Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. And that's available on Amazon. So, you know, if you want to go deeper, both of those places are a good place to go. All right, great. And I'll make sure to have all those links in the description as well. I'll make sure to uh, coordinate with you to make sure all that's included. But um, I guess that pretty much wraps it up, guys. So thank you for coming on the show and thank you for listening, everybody.